Hey everyone, I'm Tangia Renee, your host, and I'm tickled silly to bring you season two of That's What She Did, a podcast about women leaders, innovators, and rebels you've probably never heard of. I'm bringing you stories about remarkable warrior women, rabble rousers, fearless truth tellers, empire builders, and so much more. This season, shaking things up a bit and bringing you a new co-host for each episode. That means each week you get to hear directly from a woman of impact and learn all about her badassery that she's creating in the world while we gab about current events or whatever's on our minds. And of course, we'll be highlighting the stories of incredible women from all over the world that will inspire you on your journey. You don't want to miss this because when you bring together lady bosses to talk about other lady bosses, and maybe throw in a drink or two, well, anything could happen. Thanks for joining us, and don't forget to subscribe to That's What She Did, the podcast. Smooches! All right. Hey there. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of That's What She Did, the podcast. I am crazy, crazy excited about our guest on the show today because I have Stacey Ferguson on. If you don't know who Stacey Ferguson is, honey, you better get in the know and you better do it now. Because if ever there was a time I fangirled over anybody, (laughs) it was now. Let me introduce you to Stacy with her, in, in her own words, her super fancy third person bio. <laughs> Stacy right. sought after marketing expert, influencer coach, media personality, digital brand strategist, and content creator. And as the co founder and chief curator of the Be Blog Delicious community and conferences, she seeks to elevate multicultural influencers and highlight the value of diverse storytelling. She is definitely an expert community builder, both online and real life, with Blogalicious emerging as the go-to resource for influential multicultural women and marketers. On top of all of that amazingness, she's also the founder of Justice Fergie Lifestyle Media, which is a boutique coaching and consulting firm where she empowers influencers to brand and build their own content platform with an eye towards creative business models and intentional revenue generation. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Stacy, for being here with us today. <laughs> thank you for having me. What an intro, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate it. We were joking just before we were actually recording that um, I kind of got Stacy to be on the podcast today by stalking her on social media. <laughs> And totally like making a fool of myself. <laughs> you will say engaging. Engaging, engaging on social media. Yes. <laughs> I engaged aggressively on social media and maybe made an ass out of myself a little bit. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> well, I we're so I'm so happy to have you here. And so anybody that doesn't know Blogalicious, um, this is how I came to learn about Stacey because I started following the Blogalicious. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've been a longtime follower of blogs. I tried my hand at being a blogger and figured out that that platform is really not the right platform for me. But I, you know, I visualized myself being the, the level of blogger that be blogalicious would be like, hey, come to our conference. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, everybody is welcome. Yes. And, and you're a content creator. So hello, you could teach our folks a thing or two. Maybe, maybe we're <laughs> so be blogalicious. You started it started just as conferences, right? Like a, a one-off conference that grew really into the go-to platform for influencers who are people of color, essentially. Yep, exactly. How did that happen? So random. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's, a, it's, still, it's still a funny story for me to tell even 10 years later. So basically, I started um, a blog with two friends that I had gone to law school with about being a mom and a lawyer. All three of us were new parents and new attorneys, really, and we're juggling both. 
and wanted kind of a place to share what we were going through and communicate with each other. So this was 2006, so before Instagram, imagine, um, <laughs> and Pinterest and Snapchat, like it was the dark ages. And we, I found this um, group mom blog, I forget what it was called, and I sent it to my friends and I was like, hey, look at what they're doing. They're just writing about being moms online. We could do that too. And we were like, okay, we'll try it. And so we set up a really cheesy blog spot um, blog and just started writing. And because we were practicing attorneys, we wanted to remain anonymous. So we came <laughs> up with our aliases, which is why I'm still Justice Fergie all these years later. Um, and like, if you look at the early posts and hopefully they're not up because they're so painful to read, right? <laughs> like we didn't know what we were doing. You, we didn't have a voice yet. It was super corny. Um, but the hilarious thing was that people started finding it and reading it and leaving comments, which totally tripped us out and we got a kick out of it. And then it, of course, you know how it is, right? When you get feedback, you're um, inspired to do more. And blogging started to become a regular thing that we would look forward to every day. Like it was the bright spot in our day of juggling kids and work and all of that. And um, so let's say maybe two years in, we were still doing, and the blog was called Mama Law. We were still doing Mama Law and started to like hear, oh, there's a conference for blogger people. And we we're like, oh, we should check for that out. blogger people. Even. <laughs> <laughs> that was back when, when people were like, what the hell is blogging? <laughs> exactly. They looked, like you, looked at you like you had two heads, right? And, and then the, the ugly word, the blogosphere, and all of those weird words. And um, so we went to blog her, which of course now you guys know is the mm -hmm. largest women's blogging conference in the world. But then it was like a new thing. And we went to blog her and we we're like, oh my gosh, there are zillions of people out here like us who do this, but there's not a lot who look like us, meaning there were not a lot of women of color that we could see anyway in the blogging space. Uh, on top of that, we learned that brands were paying some of these bloggers to do campaigns, to go on trips and write about them. We were like, wait a minute, hold up, right? Um, and the more we started paying attention, the more we started seeing the same like two bloggers of color in every campaign. Um, and we loved them. We loved Renee Ross and Jennifer James. We still do. Yeah. <laughs> but we were like, hey, there's more, you know? Um, and so I remember being at the bar in the hotel at Blog Her. It must have been 2008. And I said, and I was speaking to a PR woman. And she said, you know, we would love to work with more bloggers of color, but we just can't find them. And I was like, really? <laughs> like, it would seem that we would be easier to find than other ones, but okay. So we were like, what if we put together a conference that brought together the community that we know exists in one place? More so for us to know that we have a support system and a network. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, hey, to show marketers that we are here. And so we just, it was literally May of 2009, we came up with the idea and we decided to do the conference in October of that same year. So like oh, super crazy. That's a really idea. short timeline. <laughs> really ambitious. Yes. Uh, type A lawyers like, oh yeah, this is going to be easy. Like, how, how hard could it be? <laughs> how hard could it be? Famous last words, right? <laughs> Um, and, and we did it. I don't know how we did it. You guys, like it doesn't make it, you know how it's like, um, ignorance almost works in your favor. Yeah. <laughs> that totally was the case. Cause we had no idea what we were getting into. And so I literally, I remember putting together an Excel document, um, of bloggers of color that I had heard about or that I knew. And I went to their blogs and I emailed them like, we're doing this thing. Will you come? And I did that for like 300 bloggers. And I put together a sponsorship deck in Word. It's super, it was super ugly <laughs> and totally like didn't know what we were doing, threw numbers up just to see what would stick. And lo and behold, um, met a PR woman by the name of Jessica Braun, bless her, who worked at Edelman, which now you know is one of the largest PR agencies. Yes. But back then we had no idea because who knew, you know, if you were in PR, you didn't know what that was. Um, and Jessica Braun 
loved our idea and brought seven brands. Oh wow! Okay, off the top, right? That's like a big win. Never to happen <laughs> again or since. Like yeah. really, the universe. And so, because of her, we had General Motors and Pine Sol and Carnival Cruise Lines and Burger King and McDonald's. Also, never to happen again. Wow! And all of these brands that we were like, what? And so. Um, we ended up, I know this is a long-winded story, we ended up um, with 177 women attending in Atlanta that first year. And we had brands who were doing booths and an opening party. And um, we had like a swag bag, which we just were so proud of ourselves for having that. Um, <laughs> you know, and like, actually, oh, it's a podcast you can't see. I was going to show you the cover of our very first program because my aunt framed it for me. Um, all that to say, that's how the first one came about. And it was a blast that we felt the energy in the room. People were so excited um, that this existed because they finally felt like they were seen mm -hmm. and they knew that there was possibility and that, um, they were validated in their storytelling and having a voice. So that was the coolest part of it all. And then we thought we were done and we were going to go back home and go back to work and being moms and wives. And then everyone was like, where is it going to be next year? And we were like, uh, we'll get back to you. We didn't think about that. <laughs> Not think about it. And so um, the next year we let the community choose actually we put a poll up on this, on, on our ugly blogspot site <laughs> and um, they picked Miami. And so we went to Miami. Of course they picked Miami. Of course they, you know, <laughs> if you let people choose, it's going to be like Hawaii, Miami. Exactly. <laughs> Vegas. Yeah. Know? Um, and we doubled in size. So the next year we had 300 and then we had more brands. And I will say, you know, looking back, cause I've done a lot of reflecting, um, those years were like the best years for, for blogging. If you were around, because it was so new, everyone was excited. No one was jaded yet. Um, it wasn't all about sponsored content. And it really was about writing and telling your story. Like mm -hmm. there was, there was no Instagram. So you didn't have to worry about images and filters and hashtags and captions and SEO. Like imagine life without all of that, you know, yeah. it really was fun. Um, so yeah. And so last year was year nine and um, it's definitely grown in size, but also in like, I want to say sophistication, you know, like, by year nine, it's a well-oiled machine, um, and it's great. But the flip side of that is that brands and also bloggers and influencers now, because influencer wasn't a word in 06, um, expect a certain level of perfection and awesomeness yeah. from that we, you know, we got away with a lot in the early days just because people were happy it was there. <laughs> and it was, um, it was still so new back then. Yeah, like people for sure. We're like showing, probably showing up going like, what is this thing exactly? Nobody really knew. <laughs> and that was, that was part of what made it fun. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I don't, you know, I, back then when Blogalish was like, was just brand brand new as you're talking through the timeline, that was when like, I did have like a serious blog. See, and what did you blog about? Yeah. And it was just like, so people would be like, oh, you have a blog? Like what? And, you know, and now right, you're like, Isaac, open up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's people are like, oh, yeah, you have a blog? Like, yeah, you, me, yeah. everybody gets everybody a blog. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Like this influence has changed so much. So like on one hand, I think all of these platforms that we have make that's so amazing, right? It's like so accessible for people, for anybody, whether it be podcasting or blogging or live broadcasting or whatever to use their voice to do whatever they're going to do with it. But on the other hand, it's just like so much. <laughs> so much. So, and it's, you're exactly right, right? Like there's pros and cons to both. So earlier you said you had started a blog and then you realized that wasn't your jam, you know? Mm -hmm. like, but you found podcasting, right? right. And so I, I love the fact that all of these different platforms are available to everybody because maybe you really are amazing at photography. And so you, you, you know, are a beast on Instagram um, or maybe you love video or so you can have a, you can have a choice. Um, and I think that's the beauty of it. Um, and then what people get into trouble is that they feel like they have to be amazing on all platforms. Yeah. yeah. 
you really don't and you really can't be right you got to pick pick i say you know pick two maybe three three is a lot um and then concentrate on those and find the ones that you enjoy like if you hate writing do not blog <laughs> you know what I mean? it won't last you'll burn out so quickly you'll resent it your words will feel forced people will be able to tell so go with what you love not with what you see other people doing mm-hmm. or what someone else tells you you should be doing no agreed and for you know i think for a long time blogging was the really the only platform yeah. that's that's all you had and so i did it and i wouldn't say i hate it i would like today i would call myself a blogger extra light because <laughs> every once in a while yeah. out a post like with no consistency yeah like oh I can write this really quick and I put and because you know I do have a bit of an audience and I want to reach them in the way that they want to be reached so some of them would want a blog post I know <laughs> all right here's here's a blog post I would much rather talk to them like this yes <laughs> and I'm the total opposite and I'm it, spend my days half terrified because you know the future is video. Um, <laughs> and I just do not love it. I, I love, I, I don't even love watching it if I'm being honest. Like, <laughs> it's painful for me to do it because I want it to look perfect. I want it to be edited perfectly. I wanted the background and I want, you know, the music and I want all of the things. Um, and if I can't do that, then I don't want to do it. And I know that Facebook Live and Instagram Live and all of these platforms allow us to do imperfect video and people love imperfect video because they want to see the real you. Um, <laughs> With your anchor voice. <laughs> yeah, that's my anchor voice. It's just, it's, it's like my hurdle to get over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I sort of feel the same way about it. Um, which again, why podcasting is just like, kind of my jam. Like you can record you video. <laughs> yeah, you but you know I think everybody's got to find their platform and, and you know I'm sort of like a side hustle for a long time I've been doing PR which you are definitely an expert in and I, so like what do you, I get this question a lot like I hate this or I hate that but if my, if my professional advice is like, listen, for your audience, this is what you need to do. And there's pushback around that. How do you coach your own clients through that? Well, like if they're a photographer and they hate Instagram, <laughs> that's maybe going to be a problem for them. <laughs> so what do you say in that situation? Absolutely. That's a great question. And it's a real question, right? Like we both get that a lot. So I would say two things. One, um, there's something, let's take the photographer example. Mm -hmm. There's something about Instagram that they think that they hate, right? What is it that they think that they hate? Is it literally the technology and how it works? Is it the fact that people sometimes abuse the hashtags and use a zillion of them? Mm -hmm. Is it the fact that it looks like it's all selfies? You know, there's something about Instagram that that person doesn't like. And so if we can figure out what that is and show them that there are so many layers to Instagram and you can use it the way that you want to use it um, and show them how their audience is using it, um, I think that's an eye-opening experience. Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah, like... You know, it's remember the early days of Twitter and everyone was like, I don't want to know what you had for lunch. Like people <laughs> always say that. Like yeah. I don't think anybody was tweeting about their lunch that much, but it, it became the like thing about Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm like, well, if you don't want to hear what people had for lunch, like don't follow those people. <laughs> follow right. people that you love and respect and you want to hear speak. Um, not the president, sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, or join Twitter chats. And there's like so much going on that you're missing out on just because you have this one idea of what that platform is. So mm-hmm. I would say to start, like explore the different layers of that platform and find where you fit in. Um, but if maybe you try that and it's still not working out, the second thing I would recommend is dude, outsource it. You know what I mean? Like if you're amazing at photos, take the amazing photos, give it to a social media person and they will put it on Instagram for you. Mm -hmm. And they'll be able to follow the right people and respond to comments and put in the right captions and do all of that for you. Mm -hmm. Of course, you still want to have a level of familiarity with it, but just so that it's not the bulk 
of what you're spending your time on because that for sure is a productivity and like forward momentum killer. Mm-hmm. You know, if you need to be on that platform for marketing, for PR reasons, for business reasons, and you're just not, um, then you're shooting yourself in the foot. So there, you can outsource anything now. <laughs> yeah. So definitely do that. I'm like, listen, people, Fiverr. <laughs> It's oh so my god! To find someone, Fiverr, like get your life. <laughs> yes, yes. Whatever you can find, the most amazing things on Fiverr that you would never think. And I found some things where I was like, "Huh, I can pay someone to do that." Right. Yeah. I was on Fiverr the other day looking for something. I don't remember. And there were, I realized that there were like um, fitness models on there that will like record your workout for you if you're like a they're doing your workout yeah they'll do your workout and you can pay and it's like 15 bucks and I was like that's interesting (laughs) see there's there's no reason for unemployment in America it's really not So funny. None. Zero. It really made me laugh because I was thinking, you know, I'm in the wellness space and I get a lot of requests for videos. And so I do a lot of videos for people, but I don't typically post them online because that's for a paying customer. Yeah. Um, and I was like, you know, it would save me a lot of time if I could just like send a workout to somebody. Yeah. I mean, try it. It's 15 bucks. <laughs> but I don't know how my clients would react to that. They they're so used to seeing me. You and it's personal. I know. They'd be like, who's this person? That's another like real business consideration, right? Like as you grow and your time needs to be devoted to multiple things, you can't be the one doing everything all the time. Mm-hmm. But the people around you don't always take so well to that. Because they're used to you being the one that they're talking to on the phone, or like you said, it's you in the video, or you're emailing them back. Um, so it does take a little bit of like adjustment for, mm-hmm. for both parties when you do start to grow and have a team. And um, even just, you know, this is Stacy's assistant. Like, oh, when did she get an assistant? Now she's too good to answer her. <laughs> and, you know, and it's like, just help me be great. I'm just trying to be great. Yes, exactly. I have someone that's very, very part-time. And the first time she did something for me, like in my email for me, I got like 10 responses that was like, is this re-? like, it was your email hacked? And you I'm hacked? Like, I just, I just like need to focus on like accounting for like a, just a few days. Like everybody relax. Have a few days? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? One really good tip someone, um, told me, and I'm probably totally off topic for where you wanted to go, is that um, her assistant responds as if she's her. So like this mm-hmm. email says it's her, so they don't even really know. Yeah, I wish I had thought of that in the beginning, <laughs> but I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so note to self. Note to self. <laughs> so Stacey, I was, again, like stalking you on the internet <laughs> recently. <laughs> as one does. <laughs> <laughs> and did you update or change your website recently? Oh my gosh, I hope you haven't clicked on it. Um, I, I did. I updated it. I got, I rebranded. It looks really good. Okay, good. But there's no content on it. That's why I'm like, I hope you didn't click around. I didn't um, click around, but there's, okay. I mean, it's really pretty. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. Very engaging. <laughs> You're like, forget content. It's pretty. Like, it looks good. Yeah. <laughs> it's very yeah. engaging. So, like, I, so it was definitely me feeling like, okay, okay, so here's what happened. Okay. Sorry. My husband's like, you can never tell a short story. Like, why? So <laughs> what happened is maybe five years ago now, um, people started, I'm sure they do this with you all the time, right? Can we go to coffee? Can we take me to lunch? I just want to ask you a few questions about whatever. And I was like, sure. And so I used to go, go, go. And then it got to a point where like I was always having coffee and always going for lunch and it was getting to be too much. And I was like, I can't keep doing this. Um, and so I was like, okay, what could be the most efficient way to get people what they need, but also protect my time. And I was like, well, what if I talk to people in a group, you know? Um, and that way it's not like seven coffee dates. It's just one. 
Mm-hmm. And so I decided to do like a, a private Facebook group. Um, and I think I called it like a mentoring program. And I put people in there who I knew wanted to speak with me. And so we kind of, I just checked in with them monthly. We did like little challenges. It was unpaid, but it was just like, okay, I'm devoting my attention to these folks. um, And that's all I'm going to do. And then that went really well. And so from that experience, I kind of got the confidence to start air quotes coaching. Right. And I, I wanted to barf because I feel like everybody's a coach. Right. Um, And I didn't train for that. And so I didn't, I almost felt like a fraud at, you know, in some ways, because I'm like, I'm not a certified life coach or anything like that. Really, I'm just sharing with you what I've learned, um, how I've done things, what mistakes I've made, right? Um, and so I started a, my very first coaching program about four years ago. Um, and I called it the Rockstar Influencer Program. And I, because in my community, what people want the most, I find, is to be that like influencer that's like getting campaigns, that has a great following, that gets a lot of media coverage, um, that gets really cool opportunities. Like that is what my folks really wanted. So I was like, okay, if that's you know what you want, so I'll put together a program. And it had, um, I think, I don't even remember anymore, seven modules or something like that, right? Where I broke it down, like branding, um, your blog or content platform, uh, how to work with sponsors, like whatever. And so I um, sold it. I sold the program at a Blogalicious conference. And I was so nervous um, because I never, I'm not, I don't have a sales background. Like, you know, if you're coming from the pure blogging community, like sales is taboo mm-hmm. and um, it was terrifying, but I really felt like it was a turning point um, in our industry generally, if you think back to like 2014-ish um, and in my business personally, like it was time to grow up. And so I was like, you know, and then me expanding my horizons and going to marketing events and business conferences and seeing People are paying thousands of dollars for this advice that I'm giving away over coffee, you know? So I started a coaching program four years ago and it's, it's been amazing. And so I've had, um, four classes of rock stars and I also do like VIP days for people who need branding and, Mm -hmm. um, sponsorship coaching. This is probably my most popular thing, working with sponsors and how to get sponsors for your event. All that to say, um, my site had not caught up with, I guess, my evolution. And so my justicefergie.com site, it was cute and pretty and whatnot, but it, it, it didn't showcase me, I guess, I hate saying it, as like the expert that I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of needed to rebrand it um, to really kind of compete with the other real coaches out there, you know? <laughs> who are, who may not even have as much experience as me, but who are presenting themselves in a certain type of way. So that's what the rebrand is about. But I, I, so I wanted it to look super professional um, and grown up, but also still fun and pretty and spacey. So um, that's what that is. So I'm still in the stages of finishing it, but I'm glad that you like it. No, I feel you. I am in that process right now of my business needing to grow up and you, you just evolve, you know, you things evolve. have evolved. I, I started out when I left um, public policy and campaigns and nonprofits and that, that whole world. I started yeah. out as like a regular personal trainer. And wow. so it was initially like personal training and it's evolved and evolved and evolved over time. And now I'm in this space where I, I would call myself more of a wellness professional yes. <laughs> as yes. opposed yes. to yes. some other title, but I also do a lot of PR stuff. And so it's, I'm finding that sweet spot and it's evolving and it just takes some time, right? It takes a little it bit of time. The thing is, it's never going to end. You're always, you're <laughs> going to keep evolving. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But at that point we're like, oh, I'm done. I've arrived. I don't and think it shouldn't be. I don't think it should be, right? I mean, I guess unless you're like Oprah, but like there's only one of those. So and if you look closely, I don't even think she feels like she's done, right? Like Yeah, I don't think so. You know? So she's still doing new things. So yeah. <laughs> 
So when you, you know, in, in your work in creating Blogalicious and growing Blogalicious and now evolving with Justice Fergie, I mean, you said something kind of interesting that I want to talk a little bit more about for a moment. And it's this, you know, you're going out to coffees and you're giving away this intellectual property and your knowledge and skills and your time to these folks and realizing that, wait, other people, particularly not people of color, are getting paid for this, yep. right? And so I know that you've done a little something around pay gap. Mm-hmm. In yeah. the influencer space, so you really did stuck me. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think your pay gap thing was like it was in Canada or something, and I couldn't go to Canada at that time. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's like why don't you come to Denver? <laughs> yes, I would love to. Yeah, no, that's such a great point, and 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 I was excited to do it because I've never spoken on that before. And I don't see a lot of people speaking on that, especially in our space. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's real and it exists. So, um, you're right. I spoke at women in travel summit in Quebec city this year. And my talk was, um, navigating the pay gap for multicultural influencers and how mainstream influencers can help. And so, I, um, I wish I um, had the stats top of mind, but I don't. But as you can imagine, it's something like multicultural influencers get paid, I think, between like 30 and 40 percent less um, than, you know, general market counterparts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, why is that and how do we fix that? And I was seeing that a lot because... Um, Blogalicious started its own influencer network um, in 2011 called the B-Link Marketing Network. And we were connecting influencers with brands for paid campaigns. But because I was, you know, um, researching and networking a lot in the space, I kind of knew what other people were getting paid for the same campaigns. And I knew what the same brand what their budget looked like for like white bloggers versus everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I won't bore you, but there's a lot that goes into it. Um, a lot of people don't know that PR budgets, well, you'll know this PR budgets, right. Are very segmented. Right. So there's going to be a multicultural budget or maybe even uh, more niche. So it could be an African-American budget or a Latina budget mm-hmm. or, you know what I mean? Um, or a parenting budget right. uh, or a male budget. Um, so there's all of these different pots. And unfortunately, the multicultural pot usually gets um, the smallest amount of budget. And so from that, they're having to work with influencers who will just by default get a smaller pay. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I really wanted to highlight that just to make us aware, you know, um, knowledge is power. And then also for um, general market, which is basically the code word for white, (laughs) the general market, mainstream, however you want to call it, influencer. You know, if you are doing a campaign with other influencers and you see some of them are of color, don't be afraid to share what your rate is. Um, and you don't have to make it awkward, like, well, what are you getting paid? I'm getting paid this, right? Mm-hmm. But just like, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. Here's what I was offered, you know, because a lot of times they will not know unless you speak up. Um, so that's something that I think is really important. And um, if you are in the position to ask the brand, like if you see a campaign that you've been invited to and there's no one of color on there, you need to say to the brand, I really think you should, you know, explore having more diversity as a part of this campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I, I'm also Canadian and an optimist and Pollyanna, but I will say most of the time it's not intentional. They just don't even notice. They're like, oh yeah, there's a person of color on here. Like, you know, so yeah. you have to speak up. We all have to be diligent um, to really try to close that gap. And it's cool because we're seeing it happen a little bit more in Hollywood, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so hopefully it trickles down to our little corner of the world. Hopefully, but I do think that, you know, what you're saying about talk to each other is really important because it's not like there's, like there's best practices in every industry, right? But there's no really like, this is the standard and this is how we do it. And this is why, and these are all the criteria that go into that. It's really like somebody has a budget and they have a campaign 
And they're like, well, this is, these are the goals and the outcomes that we need to get for our campaign. Who can meet that? Yep. It's, and that's it. There's, I mean, I would argue that as a white person, you have the privilege of not noticing that there aren't any yeah. non-white people in the room. Like you have, totally. you, you get to do that because that's your world. Yeah. But <laughs> the rest <laughs> of us are like, you didn't notice that there's only white people at this table. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and I know we've totally been, you know, part of those conversations where like you're scrolling Instagram and you see a group of them at, on a press junket or something. Mm-hmm. And you're like, really, you yeah. know, and you notice right away. Yes. But you're right. So the talking to each other is so key. And I feel like it's so silly in 2018 that we're still not talking candidly, like about what you're getting paid and Mm -hmm. how you're being treated and what does your contract say? Like, we are our own community. Like, this is it. Um, And so we have to do a better job of being more transparent about that. So that's part of, you know, some of the sessions at Blogalicious, we really try to touch on those topics and bring people together so you could have those conversations because that's the only way. And um, just maybe three months ago, I we announced the formation of the Influencer Marketing Association. So it is an association founded by a group of us who have been in this space since almost the beginning. And um, I'm one of the founding members and we really are trying to come up with best practices for ethics, for relationship management, for all of that. So we're really in the early stages, but stay tuned. Um, you can check out influencermarketingassociation.org um, to see what's happening. That's really exciting. That's There's definitely a gap in this industry for that kind of information. Yeah. Um, and now the podcasting space is the same, same. I mean, there's probably more information around bloggers specifically because it's been around longer. Right. And podcasting is still in this space where it's very new. Um, maybe not so much. It's, it's been around for a long time, like as a platform, but as a revenue stream, it has not, that it's a business. Yes. It's a business now. And, um, this is one of the questions that keeps coming up, particularly I'm doing a panel next week on opportunities in podcasting for women of color. And everybody's like, wait, (laughs) so you can, this can be like a job. You can make money, right? That's my favorite. Yeah, you can. (laughs) And, but it's still so very secretive. Like podcasters yeah. do not want to talk about their budgets wow. for their show. And I think it's just like, there's this fear around this newness. And now all of a sudden where it's being billed as like the boom of podcasting is happening yeah. now. And I'm like, you guys like less than 4% of people in the podcasting space are people of color. I don't know where the boom is, yeah. but it's not today. The boom like, from one to two. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> as long as the space is still predominantly one person, then it's not booming. It's that's, not booming. that's actually not how a boom works. If you just look it up. <laughs> I, I feel like you need to make a quote um, image graphic of that. That was a tweetable. <laughs> yeah, I should, I should do that. Yeah. <laughs> if it's still predominantly one person, it's not booming. It's not a boom. <laughs> it's not a boom. <laughs> I'm, but I'm like, but now is the opportunity to learn about this and jump in before it's like you still have the space to do with yeah. that, whatever the hell you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. And it's always better, right? If you get in at the beginning, Mm -hmm. um, you have room to mess up and and learn and grow. So yeah, I I totally agree. Agreed. Thank you so much for sharing all that information. I think these are the exact kind of conversations we like to have on this podcast because it's about women who are influencing, right? Women who are doing things in whatever their sphere of influence is that brings in particular, other women along with them. So I appreciate you so much for being one of those people that was like, we need to do this thing and we're going to call it something fabulous. (laughs) Fabulous or silly, depending on who you are. Yeah. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for that. Um, Can you repeat that last website one more time to make sure everybody got it? Yes, it is Influencer Marketing Association dot 
Let me make sure. Let me not misspeak. Influence.org. <laughs> yep, I was right. Org. Okay. We're still new, y'all. Influencer at marketingassociation.org. And you can totally um, submit to get on the newsletter. Um, we're going to be filling committees if you want to get involved. Like, and we want diverse voices. Like, that's my thing. Um, and even, you know, because our space is still very top heavy in terms mm -hmm. of PR agencies basically run the show because yep. they're the ones with the dollars and the campaigns, right? Yep. Um, and most of them, unfortunately, don't have um, the multicultural budgets. And so that's been one of my like big, you know, yelling points for the last mm -hmm. nine or so years. Like most people don't even know how this works. Mm -hmm. And um, if I go out for a campaign, the exact same campaign, and I have the same numbers and stats as a white blogger, like that person will get paid more just because. Mm -hmm. um, and it's still happening. So yeah. it's about learning how to advocate for yourself, but it's really hard to do that when you don't have the basic information about the thing that you're trying to do. It's absolutely. All that stuff happens in a room somewhere and it's not yes. public. <laughs> so. Yes. Yes. So thank you. Thank you guys. Check out, check that out. And just as a quick sidebar, before we talk about um, the store, the profile of the woman of impact we're going to do today, if you are in business or you are getting into blogging just on a personal level, or you just want to be any kind of influencer, keep in mind that being an influencer means that you were advocating for yourself in the beginning, a hundred percent. Like you have to build that yourself. There is not a PR firm that is going to talk to you and any like freelance PR person requires a monthly retainer. And so unless you got some kind of budget for that, which you probably don't when you're starting out, you have to learn how to be your own PR marketing person. Yes. I love yes. that. Yes. And you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone because it requires you putting yourself out there. So just, just know that and know that it's hard in the beginning. And, and as you can tell, we're still all figuring this stuff <laughs> out. So reach out for resources, get help, raise your hand, and we'll figure it out together. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I just want to add on to that. Like you do have something to say, you do have a, a valuable gift and you are an influencer. You yes. don't have, to have a million followers. Like I still have, don't have a lot of followers, but my circle of influence is exists because the people who I do reach, you know, value what I say. And that's yeah. what it's all about. So don't yeah. get hung up on numbers and all of that. And exactly. just know you can do it. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Thank you. Same, same. I don't have a ton of followers, but the ones I do have, we, we go deep with. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so, all right. So for our woman of influence that we're going to profile today, it's somebody that I've wanted to talk about for a little while and it just haven't had the chance to do it. So today we're going to talk about a woman by the name of Lou Jane Al Haflau. So Lou Jane is a 29 year old Saudi women's rights activist and social media influencer, which I think is, is really interesting to talk about today. And the reason I want to talk about her is because for those listeners that have been following me for a while, you know that I have a personal Saudi connection. My stepfather is Saudi and I, I grew up in the Middle East and going back and forth and, and yada, yada, yada. Um, but so, and my, several of my siblings currently live in Saudi for the majority of the year. And what's happened you know, recently, just last month in July, is Saudi Arabia finally lifted the ban on women driving yeah. in the kingdom, which is a big deal. And it's been all over the news. And that's huge for women's rights um, and for progress. But... I wanted to highlight Lu Jane because here's a young woman that's an activist that has been protesting and taking direct action to make that happen. Mm. And she has used a, a plat the social media platforms to build influence, to call attention to women's rights in the Middle East um, as a Saudi woman, particularly in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And I feel it's important to talk about her. First of all, she's not the only one. There are several. Um, but I want to talk about her today because she participated in more than one protest in which women got in cars and drove, um, well, attempted to cross from the United Arab Emirates into Saudi Arabia. She was arrested. 
um, she was released at a certain time uh, prior and then she was banned from social media. So even though she couldn't use her influence on the platform to call attention, other people were still engaging with her platforms to spread the message. Um, what's really, I think, important to note about her is that the ban was lifted this past July. In May, 30, uh, roughly 30 days before the ban was officially listed, lifted, she was arrested. And she is currently still in prison Wow! in Saudi Arabia for driving. And it's like, okay, listen, activism comes at a price and it comes at a very heavy price for a lot of people. Social media has made it so we can share these stories Mm -hmm. so that we know about her. I mean, because of social media, she was able to build that influence and become one of the top 100 most powerful Arab women in the year Mm -hmm. starting in 2015. She has dedicated her life to this and she is now in prison for it. That's it's insane. It's insane. Um, so I just felt it was really important to talk about this in, in this time. It's really timely. Like yeah. women. Um, so my sister-in-law and one of, and one of my sisters are currently there. So they're American citizens, and yeah. they just got their their official like driver's licenses mm-hmm. in the in the kingdom. It was easier for them because they already have a driver's license, and it was just kind of a paperwork process. But you know, they're, they're driving while well, many other women activists who had the guts to stand up and protest this publicly in a kingdom that is a total, a total monarchy. There's mm-hmm. no democracy. They don't experience due process of law on any level like we do here. And they're still sitting in prison cells. Um, and by the way, mm-hmm. <laughs> By the way, we should point out that um, Saudi Arabia has come under fire many, 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 many times for torture tactics of yeah. in their prisons. This is a real thing. Oh and we, there's no way to know what they've been faced with in there. Um, they don't have to be allowed to see a lawyer when they are being questioned. We don't know. So just keep that on top of mind like activism comes at a price yeah um it's not free and you know i would and it's, encourage- not, and it's not over not no. to cut you off right but no. like just because like you said the ban was lifted a month ago like she's still in the struggle very mm-hmm. much so you know and so we can't forget that yeah she's still in the struggle so while there are it's wonderful that now women are getting their driver's license and they have more mobility. Also keep in mind that the reason why that ban was lifted was not because of human rights. It right. was lifted because of an economic imperative. Yeah. Yeah. They had to. It wasn't because, <laughs> oh, we, oh, now we've seen the light and we see, you know, right. we're evil. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not like we, we, we understand that we made, we were wrong and, and we want these women to have access and, you know, be citizens. In Saudi Arabia, yes, women may still have, may now have the right to drive, but they still are, are required to have a guardianship by a man to, own business and to leave the country and yeah it's very it's insane yeah Yeah. (laughs) you know i i like to always talk about women that are doing big things that you've probably never heard of right that's the entire point of this podcast and so learn about these women understand that they're still in this struggle right there's people in this country that are still in this struggle doing their own thing and you need to know about them otherwise nobody knows what's happening so yeah. share that story you can follow Lou Jane on social media so her accounts are active okay good um and it looks like i don't know if maybe a family member how can we find it okay so her she it's just her name on on Twitter and Instagram. And so here's the spelling to look her up. You'll, she'll be at at L-O-U-J-A-I-N-A-L-H-A-T-H-L-O-U-L. All together. That's her handle on Instagram and Twitter. Um, occasionally, so she specifically has not tweeted since March when she was um, 
banned the first time mm. um, from social media, but there's, her accounts are still active and things are still happening. They're in Arabic and in English. Okay. Um, so just know, and, and you can Google her name and find out about her struggle as well as many other women activists inside the kingdom that are in prisons with her um, and that are continuing to fight this fight. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. I just, I'm, I hope that people learn about this and can somehow help and continue to spread that message for her. Yes. I was watching, um, it was, um, do you watch Viceland? Yes. I love Viceland. And it was um, Eddie Huang's show. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a chef and he travels the world and tries to bring people together through food, right? And so he went to um, Dubai and the he started out, of course, with the flashy, you know, beautiful like hotels and cars and whatnot, whatnot that you always see. Right. Um, and I feel like people associate, you know, Saudi Arabia with like money and wealth and, you mm-hmm. know, posh living and all of that. But there's this whole other side. And so the second half of his show was talking about all of the immigrants coming into Dubai and how they're mistreated and treated like second class citizens. And some of them barely have food and they have community refrigerators. And like, you're like, what? Like, we don't see that on TV, you know? Yeah. Um, And so it's to your point, like the struggle is still happening. Um, And yes, while there may be progress in some areas, we have to always remember that there are people out there fighting for these changes. So, Mm -hmm. and these changes don't come easily. They come with a very steep cost. Yeah. So know that. So thank you so much, Stacy, again, for making some time for the podcast today. Appreciate you so much. Likewise. Where can folks get in touch with you? Where can yes. they stalk you like I do? <laughs> <laughs> I am everywhere at Justice Fergie. Can't shake that handle. And then I'm also everywhere at Blogalicious. Yes. Check it out. If you don't, like I said at the beginning, if you don't know Blogalicious, <laughs> You better get in the know. Get in the know. Um, on Facebook, join our Blogalicious social suite. It's kind of our hangout place. So we would love for you to join us over there. Join our newsletter. Keep it up with the happenings. Um, but yeah, the community is really for everyone. And uh, my whole mission is to elevate our voices. So come on through. Do it. And they're always evolving, right? And always doing different things. So keep an eye on them. I, I always love when um, the newsletter comes out. I'm like, what are they doing now? Yeah, I signed <laughs> on this month. I need to get it out. But yeah, we have an internal joke. We say, evolve or die. Yes. <laughs> we wanted to make it our conference theme one year. We're like, a little bit too aggressive. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> a good one. You should at least have like at least one like talk on it. because. Yes. It's very good. All right, folks. So this is where we come to a close. But before I do that, you know the drill. You know I'm about to tell you what to do. And what you're about to do is head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review and give us some feedback. You know I love hearing from you. If there is a woman of impact that you think needs to be on the show or that we need to profile, you know how to reach me. It's that's what she did podcast at gmail.com. So don't be shy. Go out and create something amazing. Be impactful in whatever your sphere of influence is. We love you and we out. <laughs>